Wonderful. Hey, if you have a Bible, let me ask you to take it and turn to Exodus chapter number five with me. Exodus chapter five. If this is your first time with us, or maybe the first time in a long time, we're working our way through the book of Exodus. And two Sundays ago, we finished up Moses's encounter with the burning bush, meeting God there where he received uh, the name uh, of God, which is Yahweh. Uh, He also received his commission from God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and he also received a confirmation from God that you are the man uh, that I've chosen and he did so by two incredible miracles uh, the staff turning into a serpent and his hand becoming leprous then if you were here with us last Sunday we, we, we saw such an interesting thing that as soon as Moses left to go do this um mission that God had called him to to do in Egypt God met him to kill him what the is what the bible says and and we saw that it was because moses and his family were still outside of the covenant family of god and uh, it was through zipporah moses's wife's actions of circumcising her child applying the blood to moses and then calling him her husband that they were brought into the family of god and moses continued on with his journey to meet his brother aaron today we're going to start in chapter number five where we find moses and Aaron standing in front of Pharaoh. Now I'll tell you, there's some unanswered questions. We don't know how long this took. Like in my mind growing up, I always assumed this whole 10 plague thing took like a week or two. Um, But I recently read where somebody had said that this was about a year's time uh, for Moses go back and forth uh, on this. And so I don't, we don't really know how long it was before Moses and Aaron got a chance to stand in front of pharaoh we don't know how they were given a chance i mean he's the most important ruler in the world how do you get in front of him we don't know questions like that but as we read here's what i hope you're looking for do we find connections that we've already seen in exodus or even further back to genesis and do we see echoes of exodus as we look forward knowing what is to come both in our bibles and specifically in the life of Jesus. So let's get started in verse number one of Exodus chapter five. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says, now it says the Lord, but we're using the name of the Lord, Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel. And I'm going to pause right here. Um, it shouldn't surprise us that we find Moses and Aaron standing in front of Pharaoh because God has already said, Moses, I'm going to give you the words. You're going to give them to Aaron, and he's going to speak for you. You'll stand before Pharaoh. We already saw this, so this is nothing new. But what, what we do see is something's missing. Or actually, we should say someone is missing. I want to take you back to Exodus 3 briefly. You don't need to look there unless you have your Bible open. But Exodus chapter 3, verse 18. Here's what we read. This is God. This is Yahweh speaking to Moses. And he said, they, meaning the people of Israel, they will listen to your voice and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt. But as we read Exodus chapter five, verse one, what we see is it's Moses and Aaron. Where are the elders? We don't know because we're not told, but in doing a little bit more study, there is a Jewish tradition. It's not a truth. It's a tradition 
that the elders went with Moses to a certain point and then said, we're not going any further. We're scared. Which left Moses and Aaron standing in front of Pharaoh on their own because people had lost their nerve to do what God had called them to do. And, and, and while we don't exactly know what's going on, here's this, here's this truth that we know for sure. It gets lonely when we follow the call of God in our lives. It gets really lonely. Because the call of God is often to do hard things that most people don't want to to do and often as we follow god what we're going to find is that the people we thought would be with us they're not with us any longer and the people that who said they would be walking with us they're not walking with us anymore and i think it's so important for us to remember the call of yahweh the call of god is rarely focused on giving us present comfort or even present deliverance moses walked away from freedom from slavery and he walked into the land of of egypt where the israelites were enslaved but there was purpose the call of yahweh is always about future relationship and service why did moses go why was this call so that the people could leave egypt and come to know yahweh and live for him and serve him and him alone. See, God is always preparing us for the future. But when we stay silent and when we, when we remain fearful, when we, when we fail to follow God obediently, what we sometimes fail to realize is that we are putting our future at stake. So unless you've been living under a rock, you know that the biblical values and morality of our nation are under attack everywhere right now it started with homosexual marriage moved to the lgbtq community then it's gender identity and it's transgender men wanting to use the the restrooms of, of women and and there's this this sinful wicked craziness happening in our nation our christian nation right and who do we blame oh we blame the liberal media we blame the liberal government. Well, those media, they'll tell anybody that'll listen, you know, that you have to do this or you have to accept somebody. My, my question is simply this. Where are the voices of Christians stepping out and standing up to say, hey, this is not what God desires. Oh, we believe it, but we're really quiet about it. Go ahead, Moses and Aaron, you, you, you take that step. Go ahead, pastor, stand up and you tell them the way thing is, is in the, in the word of God. Listen, it's not the pastor's job to stand up in front of the community and say, this is the way of the Lord. It is Christians' jobs to stand up in the community to say, this is the way of the Lord. I know you remember this if you were here, but a few years ago, there was a, a big to-do during COVID, especially that, you know, that, that, that the, the two-way, the, the Second Amendment was under attack. And, and all it did is it, it did one little, hey, we're going to have a meeting. And we filled to overflowing a building in downtown Luray saying, you're not taking our guns. But when they, same government wants to defund our schools, 
so that boys could be called girls, so that boys could play sports with girls, and so that boys could go into the girls' restrooms and locker rooms, where's the outcry? I went to a school board meeting two years ago, and I'm not blaming the school board, but when all that junk was going on in Loudoun County, I went to a school board meeting, and I said, you mean that, that when it comes to protecting our guns, we'll take a stand, but when it comes to protecting our girls, we're going to step aside? Not this guy. I'm going to tell you real quickly. There is nothing biblical about you owning a gun. That's not, a, that's not a right that God gives you in the Bible to own a gun. It is a very clear fact that God made men, men, male, and female. That's a biblical issue that we as Christians need to be standing up on. If we're going to stand up for anything, let's stand up for the truth. We cannot be quiet in these kinds of situations, church. We need elders. We need Christian, faithful people to stand for right, regardless of the cost. Let me go back to Exodus 5. Oops, I'm, I got to go back to verse 1. Excuse me, backing up. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, let my people go. Now I'm going to pause there because there's an echo. Last week, if you were with us, Moses went to Jethro and said, let me go. And Jethro said, go in peace. Now we have an echo. Moses is standing in front of Pharaoh and saying, let us go. So where's the echo of go in peace? There's not. In fact, there's this this brilliant Hebrew scholar, her name is, is Carmen Imes, she actually said it, it would be better translated instead of let us go, it would be better translated send us away that we may go. Because she said that puts the responsibility on the one who is sending. It would be up to Pharaoh to say, go with my blessing. We're going to find what Pharaoh says, but this is what Moses is saying. Let us go. And how is Pharaoh going to react? Well, he, he reacts the same way that many of us react when it comes to God saying, let go. I love that we just got to watch what Pastor Micah, with Pastor Micah's family, because, you know, if you think about what took place in Pastor Micah's life, he said, hey, church family, I love you, but I have a greater love. And that greater love is the Father. And the Father has called me. And when he came to us, what I think this church did a wonderful job of doing is not saying, oh, you can't go. Please don't leave us. What I think our church did a really good job of was saying, well, wonderful, Pastor Micah. We, we applaud you as you go where God sends you. And we send you, and I think you did a great job of this, we send you with our blessing. May I ask you just a, a, a difficult question? What if I stood up in front of you as a church family and said, God is calling our family away? Like, I hope that you would stand and you would say, your greater love for the Father is what we applaud because, Brian, we love you, but we love God more than we love you. And so if God wants you to do something, we want, we want to applaud what God is doing in your life. And it's not just about a pastor. How about with our children? 
I read probably two months ago that the number one reason that we are sending fewer and fewer missionaries across the world is because of parental influence and control. Parents who do not want their children to even follow God. No, 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 don't leave. I think sometimes, man, I, I really wish we understood that every good thing we have, including our family, including our jobs, including our finances, every good thing that you have, it's not yours. He gave it to you to steward, not to hold on to. And if there are times where we have to take what is most precious to us and say, you're the most precious thing to me, I am going to trust what I have on this earth that is most precious to you. I, got, I mean, our son has graduate, just graduated Bible college. I'm thrilled. He got engaged. I'm thrilled. Do I want him to stay close by? Of course. But more than that, I want him in God's will. Do I want my daughter going 10 and a half hours away to Bible college? No, I want her to stay close. But more than that, I want her in the center of God's will. And I know we all want that for our children, but sometimes we just need to be reminded. It's not just letting them go. It's go with a blessing. Verse 2. Let me skip back up to verse 2 here. It says this. But Pharaoh said, who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. So, so there's this echo, right? So, so Jethro, when, when Moses said, let me go, he said, go in peace. And, and Pharaoh, when Moses says, let us go, he says, I will not let you go. And he says, why? I don't know who Yahweh is. Now, Egypt was a place of multiple gods. So for there to all of a sudden be a new God is no surprise. But what Pharaoh is saying is, is, hey, I'm not claiming there is no Yahweh, but I don't know him. Since I don't know him, why in the world should I obey him? Now, we shouldn't be surprised that Moses doesn't know Yahweh. You know why? Moses just learned his name at the burning bush. God just revealed his name to Moses at the bush. And so as he comes back and he stands before Yahweh and he says, you know, we have a God and his name is Yahweh. And he said, let us go. And Pharaoh's like, I don't know who this is. Who is Yahweh? And Moses says, well, he's our God. I don't know your God. I'm not going to let you go. And I think what's so important here is that there's something deeper going on with the name of Yahweh. I want you to watch as we go through the rest of Exodus how many times the word name of God comes. Because the word, the name Yahweh is going to become central to the nation of Israel's story. It is going to become so central that the third commandment we say we don't take the name of God in vain. It's not what it says. Do not take the name Yahweh, your God, in vain. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I was raised primarily thinking we shouldn't say the words Jesus Christ in a negative way. I'm going to hey, can I tell you something? Jesus Christ, those words didn't even exist 
when the third commandment was given. Well, don't say the word God and then the word D-A-M-N after that. That's taking the name of the Lord in vain. Hey, the word damn wasn't even existing when the third commandment was given. That's not the intention of the word. It's not about don't say the name, don't use the name in vain. It says don't take the name of God in vain. That means don't join into this covenant family of Yahweh. Don't say Yahweh is my God if you don't understand what it means for Yahweh to be your God. Now for us, we use the name Jesus. But even Jesus says, hey, don't follow me unless you understand what it means to follow me. Even someone who's going to build a tower, he sits down to think about how, how much is it going to take to build that tower before he starts to build it. And he said, don't follow me until you know what it really means to follow me. And here's the thing, following Jesus is not about dying to go to heaven one day but that's what we've reduced salvation to pray this prayer so when you die you'll go to heaven no following jesus is not about dying to go to heaven one day following jesus is about dying to yourself every moment of your life so you could live for him today don't follow jesus if you don't understand the cost don't take the name Yahweh in vain. But I also think there's something interesting about what the way Pharaoh responded when he said, I don't know Yahweh, why should I obey him? Don't you see the transverse happening in our, in our world today? We claim to know him, but we don't obey him. I watched a clip this week of a, of a woman in the LGBT community who also claimed to be a minister. I don't know what church, I don't know what denomination, I'm not worried about that, but I know she was wearing some kind of regalia in, in, of her church as she walked in an LGBTQ parade. And somebody with a recorder walked up to her and said, ma'am, let me ask you a question. She said, sure. His, his question was, how do you respond to what the Bible says about homosexuality? Her answer, she waved him off, started to walk away and said, I'm not going to talk about the Bible with you. Come to my church if you want to hear. I, I listened to that and I'm like, what? what? What better chance to stand there and make your case if you think you have one? But what we have is we have, we have people who are, who are living one way while saying something else it's almost as if we claim to know god but then we live as if there's no god and we do this really good as christians hey this isn't just the world doing it we love to just cherry pick our bible and say i'll do that but when it comes to community no i when it comes to service no when it comes to hospitality no i'm not going to do those things i'll show up for church I'm not trying to raise money for Levi and Compassion International, but is it, is it true or is it not true that, that we are called as Christians to, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, and to house the homeless? Are we called to do that? Okay, if we're not doing that, today's your opportunity to start obeying Christ and living as if you not just know him, but as if he exists. Let's go back to Exodus. Sorry. Verse number three. It says, Then they said, This is Moses and Aaron's response to Pharaoh. 
Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Keep that word sword right in the back of your mind, but we're not going to talk about it right now. But don't forget that he says with sword. Okay, but let's just take this answer. Is this not the strangest answer? Like, let's think about what he says. Moses says, let God said, Yahweh says, let my people go. He says, I'm not going to let him go. I don't know him. And Moses' answer is, you have to let us go. If you don't, our God is going to come after us with destruction and death. Like, it, it seemed like it would have made more sense for Moses to say, let us go. If you don't, our God's coming after you. He didn't say that. He says, after us. Or I think it would have made sense if Moses would have been like, hey, God, this is what he said. What do I say now? He doesn't go back to God to get an answer. His immediate answer is, hey, let us go or some bad stuff's going to happen to us. What is that all about? And I think we get the answer from Moses's, I'm sorry, from Pharaoh's response to Moses. Because look at verse four. This is what Pharaoh says in return. Man, I am so sorry. I'm, I'm so mixed up, Tommy. I, I need verse four. There. Nope. Thank you. Good. Says this. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. Now, the words are on the screen behind me. What do you notice is missing from these two verses from Pharaoh's response versus what we have just been pointing to? Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Now there's no mention of Yahweh. It's only about work and rest. And I, I think as I studied through this, that it's, it's kind of... This understanding that Pharaoh now is like, oh, that's what your God does? He punishes you when you don't obey him? Oh, I know God's, I'm very familiar with gods that act like that. They don't punish you if you don't obey them. Say, hey, let's talk, let's talk. And I can see Pharaoh saying this. Come here. You think you're scared of your God? I'll show you what you need to be afraid of. Get back to your work. And I'm gonna show you who you really need to be afraid of, who you're really serving, and who your God really is. Because this is what he says in verse number six. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people. So the same day Moses and Aaron went, the same day he commands the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So Pharaoh is saying, I'm going to show you who your true God is. You're afraid of your God punishing you. Watch what I'm going to do to you. And he adds to their burden by saying, I'm not cutting down the supply, but find your own straw, which is how they made bricks. And we're not going to talk about that, but look at verse 10. 
to the taskmasters. And the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for the straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? So, so you understand what's happening. The, the, now the, the Israelites who have been in charge of other Israelites, they're being beaten because the people they're in charge of have to go find straw and make sure that they're still keeping up with their workload. And it's just not going well for them. And then in verse 15, these foremen, these, these, these Israelite foremen, they, they start to get concerned. He says, then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat, notice these words, why do you treat your servants? Like this. No straw is given to your servants. Yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten. But the fault is in your own people. Now, now wait a second. Whose servants? Well, well, which God are they serving right now? And he says, Pharaoh, it's your fault. You, you've made this harder on us. We are your servants. Look at verse 17. Pharaoh says this. But he said, you are idle. You are idle. That is why you said, let us go and sacrifice to Yahweh. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh and they said to them, now, now I want you to notice real quickly, it's not gonna say the Lord our God or the Lord your God. They just simply say, Yahweh, Look on you and judge. Like, like you and your Yahweh. Because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And notice this. And have put a what? Have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now what, do you remember what Moses said in verse 3? That God is going to come with a sword Yahweh's going to come with the sword. Now the people are saying, you've put the sword in the hand of Pharaoh. Do you see what's happening here? There is a battle over whose God, who is God of Israel. Who is Israel truly fear? Do they fear Yahweh or do they fear Pharaoh? Who do they really serve? Do they serve Yahweh or do they, see, do they serve Pharaoh? There is a battle that is brewing. And if you understand what's coming in Exodus, you're going to understand where the God of the Israelites, Yahweh, is going to go battle against the God of Egypt and Paro and Pharaoh and, and all the gods that he represents. And there is going to be a battle royale like the world has never seen before. And it's all over. Who's your God? Who are you serving? Which one do you truly fear 
But before that battle begins, there's two verses left in this chapter. It says in verse 22, then Moses turned to Yahweh. And I noticed this. It doesn't say his God. It's just, it's just Yahweh now. Moses turned to Yahweh and said, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't even use Yahweh's name here. Oh, Lord, like, like, oh, master. Why have you done this evil to the people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in, remember, we're looking for the word name, came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, I've come in your name, the name you showed me, the name you said Yahweh, the I am, the I was, the I will be, I, that's who I spoke in, I came in your name, and you have not delivered your people. And you see what's happening. There's a battle brewing over which God. But before Yahweh shows off, there's a whole lot of blame being cast. The people don't look at Pharaoh as things have gotten worse. They look to Moses. You have made things worse. And Moses turns to Yahweh and said, you have made things worse. And like that is a complete echo that goes right back to the opening pages of scripture where God came to Adam and Eve standing in the garden and said, Adam, what have you done? And Adam's answer was, the woman you gave me. The blame is shifting right back to God. How often do we blame God for the circumstances in our lives that we put ourselves in? How often does that happen? Like all the time. Like we want to blame God. We make terrible choices, and then we want to point a figure, finger at God and say, you didn't save me from my bad choices. That's not the way God works. This morning I got in my truck. The gas gauge was at E. Yesterday, when I left to come here from my house, the gas gauge was right above E. And I was like, I need to stop and get gas on my way home. I forgot to stop and get gas on my way home. I left today, and here was what I was praying. Oh, Lord, help me make it to a gas station. Oh, Lord, help me make it to a gas station. Oh, Jesus, help me make it to a gas station. I made it to a gas station. But you know what? If I would have ran out of gas, I wouldn't have been able to go. And Jesus, you didn't make my gas last to the gas station. But we love to do that. We love to point at God. When we have people who come, and Gordon and John Thomas do such a wonderful job of caring for people who come to our office and saying, I don't have any money. And we try to help as many people as we can. We try to be very generous with the money you give to people who are in need. But there are times where we have to simply say, you know, we've helped you, and you continue to stay in this cycle. We're not going to help you again until you start helping yourselves. And you know what happens right then? They start accusing us of being unkind. No, you see, you have enough money if you just steward it rightly and steward it well. Sometimes we just don't steward our lives very well, and then we blame God for the circumstances. So as we close out this chapter, I just, just want to ask you this question. Like, where do, where do we see Jesus? Because this is what we're looking for. Where do we see Jesus in these, in these echoes? Well, well, Moses and Aaron, they went to Pharaoh all alone, right? Well, Jesus came alone. And at his time of greatest need, Jesus was abandoned by his disciples, left alone to face his accusers all by himself. Hey, can I tell you something? There's going to be a time this week you're going to need to stand for right 
It's wonderful if we could stand for right in a group. You might. You might have to stand for right all by yourself this week. But you can. Jesus did it for you. And we could do it for him. Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go because they were vital to his economy. But you think of Jesus, Jesus, who was equal with the Father, gave up all of his glory when the Father sent him away with his blessing. And as Jesus finished the very mission for which the Father sent him, he raised his eyes to heaven only to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We, as a as a group of believers, we need to let go of what is God's in our lives. We've got to learn to let go. Moses came in the name of Yahweh to stand before Pharaoh. Jesus came in the name of his father. And here's the thing. Jesus was offered a chance up at, remember, up at the Temple Mount by, the, by, uh, by Satan. If you bow to me now, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus refused to bow because that was not what he came for, to bow to Satan. He came to finish the work that his father had given him. Listen, we must follow those footsteps of Jesus. We should live as a disciple of Jesus. And if we're truly going to call ourselves disciples of Jesus, we need to love people as Jesus loved people, serve people the way Jesus served people, and make more disciples as he's commanded us to. The burdens of the people increased. Jesus carried our burdens. And Jesus still does. But although Jesus took our burdens upon himself, he never turned a, 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 an eye towards us to blame us. He never turned an accusing face toward the Father and say, you did this to me. John, 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 leave Caleb here. We're fine. I want you here. I want Caleb here. We love your family. I don't ever want you to feel like you need to leave. That is a burden that their family is, that God has been given to, that God has given to their family, but is given to our family too. Like we as a church, we, we need to be embracing the Schwarzlanders regularly. I love you, John. I love you, Caleb. I love you, Lynn. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, if I can encourage you, be honest enough. Be honest for, the, for your actions. Take responsibility for what you do. Don't, don't blame God for our failures our sins but when we know better we don't need to cast an eye or we don't need to cast an accusing finger of god and finally hey the people we know the story the people will eventually be delivered by the mighty hand of god but not jesus he would not be delivered by the mighty hand of god he would be crucified and he would face death but he did that so we would not have to and the mighty hand of god was stayed from his own son so it could be extended to you and as we sang about in that beautiful hymn of heaven that I had never sang before, but I loved it. Whew. We're looking for that day. There will be a day when we will stand face to face. Wow. No accusations. We will fall before him and truly say, holy, holy, holy. Man, that, that song excited my heart. Thank you. Thank you for singing that and for choosing that. Jesus, as our Savior, he was not delivered so that we could be. So what do we do with all this? Well, we remember that we come, that, that, that we serve the name of Yahweh. Hey, let's not take it in vain. Stand alone when you have to. 
let go of what you need to, and then truly follow the king. Aaron, I'm going to let you choose whether we close with